The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 229 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Kirsty Worth to discuss her own journey to the Gold Coast Marathon on July 7th this year. If you've heard Kirsty speak before, you'll know that she's been through a pretty epic gut health recovery journey of her own. She reached out to me to help support her training goals and fine-tune her current strategy while continuing her healing journey and training for an endurance event. You will learn the importance of carbohydrate timing relative to exercise intensity and duration, how to apply intermittent fasting to your training program, how to fuel for an endurance event when you are fat adapted, how to take a more holistic view to your long training sessions, and so much more. Hi, Kirsty, and welcome back to the show. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this this discussion because there's obviously something that um, you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of what you've been doing with your own personal training endeavors. So yeah, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, well, I um, was approached by a couple of my beautiful clients and they said, hey, we're going to run the Gold Coast Half Marathon for the Noah Garnet Foundation, which is, um, a, you know, a foundation of mine that's very close to my heart. And um, they asked me to join them. And so I was like, sure, I'll run a half marathon <laughs> with really kind of that, I'll just dive on in and then, um, you know, you sort of think about, okay, so I've got to do some training for that. And I've got to prepare for it. But um very, very excited. I'm going to be doing it for a great cause and I love a challenge. I always love having something in the pipeline so I've got a goal to reach and it keeps me focused and yeah, so it's an exciting one to tick off in July. So coming up soon. Very soon. So that's so cool. And just for those that don't know, 
your background. Tell us more about what you've done in the past in terms of training and, and your exposure to endurance events. Yeah, so I come from a background of lots of endurance events, actually. So um, I used to do a lot of um, mountaineering. I used to do a lot of um, mountain bike riding, where I used to race sort of long-distance racing and also did long-distance trail running and things like trail walker and Kokoda stuff. So I was very active in the outdoor space and doing things for, you know, long periods of time, but I was an absolute carb sugar person on on those training runs and and those um events and you know I always struggled so much with body pain and just energy levels hitting the wall um recovery was really poor and I had that classic kind of you know why can everyone else just pull up fine and I'm struggling and having to train twice as hard and as everyone else and having that mentality of if you smash yourself, it will be you'll be better at it. Or if you just keep training, 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 um, somehow you'll get better times. And so I really came from a completely different space to where I am now. I used to do a lot of running, and I used to obviously in my um, netball career and all sorts of things. I used to um, do all of that, and so it's really interesting coming back to running as a low-carb, you know, beautiful quality fats person and being in a completely different space with my body and how I feel my body. And um, I've just found the whole process so interesting, which has been awesome working with you and tweaking all these little bits and pieces. But I really have gone from that complete pendulum of doing endurance stuff in a multitude of sports on that real sugar, sugar, carb burner to where I am now. Now, that's a long trajectory of 20 years or something. So it hasn't been a short time. Yeah, because that was what I was thinking. I think for context, it's really important that the timeline is there because obviously when you were in your real sugar burning days, that was before cultured wellness, you know, before the work that you've done to transition your metabolism to be that adapted in nature and to have that great diesel fuel tank or that diesel engine so yeah what what does that time frame look like so that we can help those that are tuning in that don't understand your health background and your history there yeah so look I went gluten-free and started really focusing on my health probably about 10 12 years ago um, so pulling out inflammatory foods started around then and then I went low carb probably about eight years ago and I had a pretty broken metabolism. So my metabolic flexibility was very poor. Um, I really, really struggled with, um, you know, switching over to being, uh, you know, that diesel engine. So really it's probably been, yeah, six to eight years that I've been working on becoming adapted and being able to now just flip the switch and change up and my goals um, and being able to do something. So it has been a, a long journey and um, working out what's right for me. So reading the literature, understanding it, and then applying it to what's right for me. And, um, you know, just for even more context, like my daughter's nine 
And so I was breastfeeding during some of that time and recovering from, you know, childbirth and breastfeeding and that whole process as well. So, yeah, I went, I went through quite a lot of changes before I to get to where I am today. Beautiful. And um, when was the last sort of big endurance event? Like, was that occurring throughout the transition or are we talking way back when you actually were sugar burning? So over 10 years ago? Um, well, I just, <laughs> when I went to Tassie last year, I did um, a five, no, six day walk, mainly fasted. And so that was quite a big event, like endurance wise for multiple days. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also did a five day rock climbing uh, trip, which was mostly fasted as well. Um, but with regards to like a mountain biking event or a long run, that was definitely back in the carb days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's mainly been hiking and, um, yeah, hiking and climbing. So, yeah, this is, this is a new one for me running. I haven't done it running before. Yeah, so that's why I think it's really fascinating for you because there are obviously some different considerations. And, you know, I think that you sharing your story is really important because you do need to look at the type of training that you're doing and, allow your nutrition to match. I think it's really important that we look at both elements and get them to be really connected because they are so important to um, to match one another, I guess, in terms of the intensity and the types of fuels that you want to be consuming. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I spend a lot of time on culture wellness and um, sometimes that means spending big days in front of the computer, unfortunately, um, being quite sedentary. And so I don't need, um, you know, much fuel on those days. And so, yeah, like you do have to match that fuel. Like if I'm going to do a long run like I did yesterday, I really have to match that and make sure that the recovery is right and I'm getting it right and I'm tweaking it. And, um, yeah, running is very different than if I was going for a, a long walk. So. Absolutely. And that's, I think, what some people get really confused with. I'm I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I do want to speak to this because in my experience, a lot of people focus on duration. So they would be the conversation, the internal dialogue is, okay, I'm doing a three-hour bike ride. I need to be consuming all these calories and all these carbs. But you know, whilst duration is important, what's way more important than that is intensity. And so if you're mm. doing a long bike ride or for you, if it was a long hike, the intensities should be, and in your case, it was low intensity. So that's the, that's the zone where we utilize a lot more fat for our fuel source. So our carbohydrate requirements are much lower. The same mm. when you're sedentary at work because it's aerobic in nature. And so then we look at higher intensity sessions, which are often shorter in duration by nature, but they actually have much higher fueling requirements because of the intensity and that it's more glycogen or glycolytic in nature. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and you know, I've always been a big fan as I've converted over into this more, you know, fat burning world. I I love to do my sprints once a week. And, you know, it's just something that just seems to flick a switch for me. And it once a week was just wonderful. But I've, you know, changed that up a little bit, obviously preparing for this half marathon. And so, yeah, like my week looks different on, a, on my plate because I've changed up how much time I'm sprinting or if I've got, you know, 
weights one morning and as you know you and I went through I love that so much Steph um for people listening Steph and I literally went through what I do every day and you know is that aerobic is that anaerobic how you know does that require carbohydrates am I refueling effectively and just going through that step by step and for me I had to definitely include more carbohydrates because I was really stepping up and changing the type of activity that I was doing and you know I've thought of Steph we haven't talked about this offline but I thought about this because my I was so metabolically inflexible and my I just had so many issues from sort of my previous health issues I was always a bit um, nervous about adding carbs in and so this has been, um, and I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this that would have the same issue, you know, lights a fuse, you have a little bit and it's just this free for all. Mm-hmm. And so this has been such a great experience of um, matching it and um, looking at my week and when do I need it and what am I going to be doing, what activities am I doing and um, really getting it right without being too... Um, clinical about it or obsessive about it or over the top about it and keeping that fun relaxed um, you know you know sort of outlook on it as well I think is very important because traditionally I would get quite um, in you know fired up about making sure I got it right and I got the goals right and um, push myself so yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful experience going through what what my body has needed and, and then listening to my body as well after uh, you know and did I need more did I need less was um you know I'm a big fan of that whole sort of waking up in the morning and um measuring my heart rate and you know what's what's my day looking like can I train that hard or do I need to actually rest and do more yoga or pilates as opposed to doing my sprint training so that's also been interesting as well making sure that my body is ready and I'm not already pushed into that fight or flight zone yeah so heart rate heart rate variability is a really great way to to i guess really think about what you need rather than just trying to follow a a template like a training program a hundred percent when there's so many other variables in our life like we're not professional athletes we've got a lot to juggle and i think if you've got the ability to manipulate your training program a little bit then that can be really helpful for performance and recovery goals like what I love about this whole journey for you to the half marathon is you obviously had incredible foundations like you've been eating this way for a very long time all of our listeners have heard you on the show before and they know how well you not only eat but your knowledge around food but you still wanted to take things to the next level because of what you were adding into your week and this you know this goal of yours so that's when you reached out to me for us to just do a a good like a sweep of your week in terms of what you were eating and and making sure that as you said we we went through your training program and and looked closely at the intensity because that's how you determine the best fuel like what your macronutrients or what your carbohydrates proteins and fats should look like mm yeah Definitely. And also just um, tweaking things as well. Um, You know, I I like to mix things up with my training program. So 
you know, whether it's netball and bar and then out in nature and writing no at a school and all of those kinds of things. So how can I utilise that and obviously that function of the body keeping all the function moving as opposed to that repetitive just running, just running, you know. My muscles don't appreciate that. So, yeah, just tweaking things, which has been fantastic. Yeah, so we obviously made – sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to get back to that because that heart rate variability because classic example happened to me last weekend. Um, You know, on on a piece of paper, I was going to do my run long run on Sunday and that's what I had planned. But I just woke up that Sunday morning and I just was not – I was just – tired like I you know culture wellness and family and everything that happens in my life I just really felt and you know measured my heart rate and all that sort of stuff and I needed a day off I and so I really had to manage in my mind it was like that I know that this is your long run day but it's not going to happen because this will just exhaust you for the rest of the week so you know I I just tweaked it and um, did it on Tuesday instead and that's right. I was able, you know, to change it because I don't have a, you know, I'm not a professional athlete or anything, but um, that was a really empowering experience to listen to that and not just um, flog myself because that's what I needed to do on Sunday and I could change it. And um, it worked out really well because then the run on Tuesday was wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I completely agree. I think having that holistic view of your training is so important because a lot of us are quite all or nothing in nature. And I think, Kirsty, you and I have both probably learned the hard way in the past from an adrenal health point of view by overdoing it. So it's not a lesson you want to learn more than once. So being able to use the the science of heart rate, and obviously if your heart rate is elevated, um, your body is fighting something, whether it's an immune suppression or whether it is a little bit of a, um, you know, lack of sleep or stress or all the above, you know, mm. listening to those signs is, is so powerful and being able to adjust your training program accordingly is, I think, the missing piece for a lot of people because we are so used to following a template 100%. Oh, yeah. And, and just... Also, so that day, you know, of course, moving your body is so important and being out in sunshine and, you know, I went out paddle boarding with the kids and went for a bike ride and um, still moved and, and, but I was, like my cup was filled up from the day rather than completely depleted and then facing the week and the next week of training in a completely different state. So um, it, it does, unfortunately, learnt the hard way that, things can turn pear-shaped if you push too hard and just, you know, adrenally. But it, it, it was a wonderful experience that it's okay to do that because there's another opportunity and um, you, you just move forward with it and not beat yourself up that you're exhausted that day or you just needed a rest. Mm. Yep, yeah, I agree. So let's stay on training. So after our – we've had sort of two or three discussions now around just tweaking things for your road to Gold Coast 21K – From a training perspective, could you summarise for us like what you did tweak, what you took away from our discussion? Um, Gosh, where do I start? (laughs) The first thing is you're so bloody smart. That was the first thing I took away. (laughs) I love speaking to you. I'm not paying you to say that. Listen, FYI. (laughs) I just love it though. You know, it's your world and I can dive on into your brain. It's so cool. Um, So the first thing that I took away was that 
um, if I was going to add more intensity in, I really needed to add more carbohydrates in. So that to me was the absolute kind of um, big, big number one learning lesson. And from a gut perspective, you know, when someone says to me, you've got to add more carbohydrates, you know, I always think about, okay, what's going to be best for my gut bugs? What's going to be best for my insulin levels? All those kinds of things. So um, for me, it was adding in some more cooked and cooled rice and some more, um, you know, green banana flour into smoothies and those sorts of things. The other big thing, Steph, that we talked about, which was a great take home for me is I love fasting and intermittent fasting, um, you know, you don't just arrive at intermittent fasting. It's taken me a long time to get to that point. Um, as you say, it's like a muscle that you have to flex and you have to learn how to get there. And, and I've really loved what it's done to support my health goals. Um, but what we changed up was that um, two mornings a week I would have um, some post-training fuel, so like a smoothie. And so that was something big for me to change, big and exciting and loved it and it was all fine, but that was another thing. Okay, so post-training, let's get that smoothie in, add some green banana flour into the green smoothie for that beautiful carbohydrates and obviously feeds my gut bugs and all those sorts of things. So that was another thing that I um, took away from it. And also just making sure that I was uh, fueling myself effectively within a, an appropriate time after I'd trained. So I think maybe maybe it's a busyness thing. Maybe it was just, oh, gosh, the kids and, you know, I've got to do this and that. But I probably left it too long from training and then refueling. So that was another big thing that I took away from it as well. So... I think they were the big ones. Was there anything else that you can remember that was a standout? Yeah, well, I'll speak to those few first. I think they definitely were the keys because firstly, I mean, going back to what I said earlier before about it always being relative to intensity. So the big takeaway Mm -hmm. is your requirements are relative to intensity not necessarily duration. And we'll get to duration shortly because you've got some, some anecdotes there as well. But intensity is where we need to remember that we're using muscle glycogen, so we need to replenish that with carbohydrate. That's how we store carbohydrates in the muscle as glycogen. So for you, someone who's quite low-carb, almost ketogenic some days, I imagine it was adding mm. some in. Um, and that's something I'm seeing a lot with the rise and the vogueness if that's a word of keto at the moment it's you know Mm. it's probably underdoing the carbohydrates for some people it's a fear of carbohydrates you know we've gone from being afraid of fats to being afraid of carbs and here we are (laughs) trying to get people to become more balanced with their view of food in general but yeah absolutely acknowledging that we need that for recovery so that Mm -hmm. was a great takeaway and I think for our listeners, just acknowledging where you sit on that spectrum, if you become a little bit afraid of carbohydrates, that you've got to look at it through that lens of recovery and performance, knowing that at the in the window, so in that hour window that we got you to refuel in, Kirsty, you've got the ability for those carbohydrates to be literally shuttled off to muscle glycogen replenishment. It's not to spike the blood sugar or impact appetite control or satiety or cause any cravings, which 
excess carbohydrates can do at another time of the day, especially in those that are, you know, a little bit intolerant or carbohydrate sensitive. And, you know, Mm. for those that are listening that do feel like that every time they eat something too carby, they're having the cravings or opening the proverbial can of worms, then, you know, you are obviously a little bit more carbohydrate sensitive. Firstly, you need to fix that. And that's very important to address. But secondly, knowing that you can do it via resistant starch because the, the, the change in the structure of the carbohydrates completely changes how your body responds from a blood sugar and insulin point of view. Mm. Yeah. So that's important. And then, of course, with the fasting, like I see this quite similarly, everyone's trying to fast at the moment and I love it, but it needs to be applied appropriately. So we don't fast after high-intensity training, full stop. You can fast on rest days, low-intensity or aerobic sessions. You know, I think looking at your training program and deciding strategically which days you can fast is very important and then refueling within the hour after anything higher intensity is equally as important. I know you've been doing that yourself, Kirsty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, being prepared for that as well. So um, making sure that if you do have to, you know, like for me, for example, I do my high intensity training and then I literally fly back in the door and, you know, okay, kids off to school, time to do this time, you know, that's all, all in. So having something prepared so I can grab it and make sure that I'm refueling within that hour is very important. So that's something that I've had to really learn to do with regards to eating well and gut health and all of those kinds of things is you just, if you're prepared then it's going to work out really well and you're going to reach your goals. So that was something that I really had to fall back on that knowledge of mine of just be prepared, make sure it's ready, do it the night before or whatever it needs to do, whatever needs to happen. So then I can do it. Absolutely. You know, athletes in particular, uh, so so good at preparing for training you know they've probably packed their bag and got all their gear or if it's you know organizing their schedule whatever needs to happen but then food is an afterthought and I just think that you know that's yeah. that's a disaster waiting to happen so having yeah. that foresight to make sure you've got either something made or you know there's something you can get nearby if you're going to work or what have you that I think that is a critical part of the planning ahead and the whole the whole process to get to an event like this. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And then so from a training point of view, we spoke a little bit about this earlier. We were looking at your schedule. There was already a lot of cross training in there. So you were already doing some riding. Um, you already had one sprint session in there. And then we were looking at sort of what you were going to do from a long run point of view based on what time you had because you didn't have 16 weeks underneath your belt to get to a 21K event. We had very limited time. (laughs) So that's that's a consideration, you know. We've got to look at what time we've got because the body needs to otherwise have time to be conditioned for a 21K when you haven't been running. So what were your takeaways from our discussion on your training program? Yeah, so definitely that whole conditioning thing. And I suppose we should add into the mix that, um, uh, you know, I, w- I want to do this uh, wearing minimalist shoes, so barefoot mm-hmm. shoes. So then that requires a completely different conditioning again. So I've been wearing um, hiking, like barefoot hiking shoes and have transitioned pretty well, but this is another 
whole sort of complexity to add in there. Um, but, yeah, with regards to the conditioning, it was also being kind on my body and doing those split runs. So that was just like a revolutionary, you know, concept that I didn't even consider, which, um, you know, Steph, you said to me, well, you know, on your long run, why don't you split it up and do, you know, 8Ks in the morning and 8Ks in the afternoon? And that was just amazing because it allowed my body, you know, to get into that rhythm, to be able to have that experience of running for a long distance, but then having that rest in between and a bit of recovery. And so that's been absolutely fantastic to be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's an important conversation because of the time frame of the time that you didn't have. You know, we didn't have 16 weeks to build you up by a K or so a week and throw in a recovery week and go again. Like we didn't have that time which would be so probably a more typical training program that some mm-hmm. of you listening might be familiar with. But ultimately, if we look at the big picture, it's about K's in the legs. Like conditioning is about getting your body used to running more than it was last week and the week before. So because you were starting, you said to me you'd done about sort of 8K's, I, I, I recall. Um, <laughs> we knew that you could do 8K's, right? So we were very comfortable that you could do 8K's with no injuries or, you know, blowing out the calf muscles and we'll come back to that if you'll share. But um, so I knew you could do 8K's, but we also wanted you to be able to do, you know, 16 or 17 to get close enough to 21K for your confidence and the build that the training program should create. So what we did was give you two 8K runs. So mm-hmm. yeah, obviously after a couple of weeks of, of building up um, from where you were starting, but it gives you the ability to tick off, okay, well, I know I can do 16Ks or 17Ks, but you haven't, got, you haven't basically gone from the shallow end to the deep end in one week because mm-hmm. if we do that, we can often injure ourselves or have you know energy issues and the flow-on effect just isn't beneficial to our ultimate sort of recovery and performance goals. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it has been a very minimal time. And when I said to you, I I can run 8Ks, it was because I just went out one day and saw how far can I run. (laughs) But, you know, this is the beauty, um, I must say, of um, always keeping yourself active and strong and moving your body and so whatever comes to you or whatever you know someone hey do you want to go and do this or yeah that's my next goal you're not starting from the couch you've always got your body at a level where it's strong it can move it's functional and then you can just pull the levers to reach your goals and so now, like when people ask me, what are you training for? It's, it's not really anything. It's I just want to stay fit for the next exciting thing that comes along that someone's asked me, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? So, um, you know, I was pretty excited when I did sort of go literally from zero to, um, you know, eight kilometres. I'm not running fast, as you know, Steph. Like um, I'm enjoying life out there. Um, but, the yeah, the split runs were just fantastic. And I, th- I think the thing that I didn't have to worry about so much was that um, because I've done longer endurance events before, um, you know, like when I was younger, you know, I ran 100 kilometres um, for one of the events. So my ma- I, I know in my mind what it's like to go that far, but um, 
yeah, it's just the different types of fueling and the lifestyle that I live now is quite different. Yeah, definitely. Obviously coming off an incredible base, even though you'd had a little bit of time off specifically running, that's, mm-hmm. that's the foundation. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to keep that in mind because everything mm-hmm. is relative. Mm. Um, but it's good that you've that you've got to experience that, um, and definitely something you know for our listeners to understand can be possible because not all of us are suited to doing um, a, a standard sort of template program. And I think working with your strengths is really really important because you want to have fun out there. You don't want to end up dealing with an injury or for a lot of people having to change sports or retire early when it could have been more holistic in nature. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, you know, as we've talked about, my goal is not to be on the podium. My goal is to be out there, raise money for the foundation, enjoy it, have a goal. Like I just, you know, like when I used to do a lot of climbing, part of the fun was just the organization and getting there as much as actually summiting. So it's the same thing. It's all the, all of everything leading up to it. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, working with my body and, and how it likes to run and cruise along. I'm never going to be a lightweight that's going to fly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, and I've become, and once again, that's another growth for me that I've become really fine with that and become really, um, you know, almost celebrated that um, as opposed to why can't I run faster yeah. and I want to do it in this time and, why can't I just, just, I'll just smash myself a bit more so I can get an extra two minutes because, you know, that's what I need to do. So it's been such a wonderful, um, you know, growth personally, just to be able to be really comfortable with these are my goals. I'm really happy with this. I'm happy at this pace. I'm going to enjoy it. And this is, this is exactly right for me. And, um, as uh, one of our beautiful team at culture wellness always says swimming in my own lane and not worrying about what other people are doing. So when I, um, I, I went away to a conference and I was doing one of, you know, the a split run. So the first split run that you said to me, hey, Kirst, try this split run. And I was at a conference and so I did it, uh, you know, the 8Ks in the morning before the conference and then sat all day at this conference and went back and did the rest of the, you know, the kilometres on the treadmill after that. And, oh, Steph, it was classic. I jumped on running at my own pace and then another girl comes into the gym and jumps on the treadmill on the left and she is just flying like this girl is almost like levitating she's just flying along and then the girl, another girl comes in and gets on the other treadmill and she's flying as well and I had that like oh, I've got to run faster I've got to run faster and then I really had to like swim in your own lane mm. this is your goal you are doing your long run you're doing at this pace and just do what you need to do but oh that was a real like um mind shift for me to not you know I'll just run as fast as them I can do it that kind of thing so um yeah we've talked about what is that ego or is that just excitement to think that I could run as fast as them I'm not sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. but it's also keeping your perspective like a long run is aerobic it should be relatively slow like pace is irrelevant yeah. to heart rate right so we're yeah. so caught yeah. up with you know we know you can run four minutes whatever per kilometer that does not matter one single piece in a long run where you're training your body to build a better 
aerobic system, a bigger heart, legs, lungs, like all the functions, the, the mitochondria that you need to perform yeah. under these conditions. Like that doesn't happen when you're sprinting at, I don't know, 20 kilometers an hour. Like that's a totally different session with a totally different goal in mind. So that mm-hmm. perspective is very important. Yeah. And I think uh, I must say that traditionally I, I would get caught up in the speed of it all and didn't build and flex that aerobic muscle um, and that's a real shame. So, yeah, and, of course, they ran for 15 minutes or whatever and jumped off and there I was. Exactly. <laughs> Still going <laughs> and, you know, wishing my playlist was a little bit more um, upbeat than it was or whatever it was going on at the time. So, yeah, yeah. but it, it's it's just wonderful, like the, the, the mental side of things and, you know, making sure your food's right and then making sure that you're nourishing and nurturing your body and and all of those external things to it as well, like your immunity and your sleep and your energy levels and all of those things come into play. And that, that's been a really great journey for me too, going through all of this. Yeah, awesome. I want to chat more about that with you, but my sort of last question around your journey to Gold Coast 21K was if you had anything to share around like your fueling during any sessions or what your plans might look like on the day. Yeah, so I definitely am, you know, we're looking at what am I what am I going to have on the day and making sure that I get the right amount of carbohydrates because I am going to, as we talked about, I'm going to have fun and I'm going to enjoy this, which means that it's going to be a slow um, run. And so I, you know, I don't need to worry about, oh, I'm just going to get it all over and done within, you know, an hour, hour and a half. (laughs) So I need to space out my carbohydrates. And also um, we talked about that whole sort of nine kilometres of running and one kilometre of walking. Mm. So that's been really awesome for me and getting my head around, okay, so I'm going to run for nine kilometres, set my little alarm and then walk for one kilometre. And then after about a half an hour, um, refueling and making sure that I am getting a steady stream of carbohydrates in, but obviously it doesn't need to be too much, mm. but making sure there's a steady stream going in and not waiting um, for too long because that's something else that I know that I've done in the past, that I've pushed, 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 and then hit the wall and refueling's too late. It's just gone past that point. So, yeah, we talked about um, every half an hour doing that and, um, you know, playing around with either using your freedom fuel, which is I've made before for Mark when he did Kokoda last year. Mark's my husband. He did the 96-kilometre Kokoda last year. And so using that every half an hour and also even having even some little gummies. So I've been playing around with which one's going to work best for my gut and um, what's going to digest better for me when I'm out there. Because obviously um, when you're digesting food, as you probably all know, 500 mils of blood goes to your gut to digest. And so that takes away a lot of your resources. So um, want to make sure that it's as easily digested as possible so the blood doesn't go, <laughs> you know, uh, away from my muscles so it's, it can just absorb. So, 
yeah, the the freedom fuel has just been wonderful. Looking at that, how's that going to feel? How's that going to feel? And I'm going to play around with that a little bit more leading up to the the big day. Yeah, cool. Which I love because it is all about the experimentation in training, which is something to consider for everybody. But also on the actual day, you know, we know that you could probably quite possibly do that off your MCT coffee in the morning. <laughs> well, yes, and funnily enough, everyone, that's what I was like, yeah, I'll be fine doing that. And Steph was, mm, <laughs> how about we do some refueling? So just, just a little um, bit, you know, because we know you're yeah. going to be out there for a, if you, if you're in E in Northeast and you were doing it in an hour 20, <laughs> like yeah. MCT coffee would be adequate. But here we start to think about duration because you're physically running beyond what your body might be storing if the intensities are slightly going to be slightly higher. Now your intention is to do it exactly like training, but there's also going to be some adrenaline come into the piece. You might decide to pick up the pace, which would increase the heart rate a little. So naturally mm-hmm. you need more than a very easy aerobic run by yourself in a standard week in a training mm-hmm. environment. So again, it's relative. We don't take that that run, that aerobic run in your own um, backyard on a standard day and have a fueling plan that works under race day conditions. It's very important that they're two separate situations that comes back to heart rate and the added sort of adrenaline hormonal impacts of race day. So that's why I said to you, I think we need just a little bit of fuel dripping dripping in behind the scenes to not only support what you might be burning, but we know that fat burns in a carbohydrate flame and we forget about this. We actually need a small amount of carbohydrate to help elevate the fatty acid oxidation or the ability to access this diesel engine. So, you know, I gave you very, very small amounts of sort of carbohydrates and calories per hour to work with. And you might even need less than that, which will work out in training. But I think that small amount will really help you for the duration that you'll be out there on, on the day. Mm, absolutely. And, um, you know, it was, it's interesting because a completely <laughs> side sort of experience, um, I took my daughter and three of her friends out on the Kokoda Challenge. So they're nine and it's very sweet and they did this Kokoda Challenge and it was 17 and a half kilometres out into the bush in Brisbane And so that's a long way for nine-year-olds. So it took them about five hours to do that. And so I had this intention that, oh, you know, I'll just have my MCT coffee and and I won't need much more. But just the fact that I was out there for that long, (laughs) I I needed to drip feed a bit of um, resources in, which normally I wouldn't need to do. Now, one of it was exactly like you said, like the adrenaline, and um, I was quite concerned I was going to get these girls across the line and supporting them and the excitement of it all um, and, and just the duration of it. Yeah, I really needed to have a little bit of that carbohydrate and get, get that right. I, I couldn't just completely do it fasted how I normally would. So that was a great experience as well to learn, learn you know, what fuels you need at what particular time and, and, and what exercise you're doing because it was so it was really steep some of the hills were so steep and I was carrying all of their packs and <laughs> carrying the, the you know two girls up the hill with me so so you know it's it's um wonderful to find out 
all of these extremes of what your body needs as, as opposed to, oh, well, I just do everything this way and that's all I need. Exactly. And so we, before we said everything is relative to intensity and then I mentioned there's a point when duration is relative or important and this is exactly right. So similar to your race day experience, we, we know what your approximate duration is. So we've made the call that fueling is appropriate for that and that's yeah. individual. And then the same thing, you've learnt that by the, the five hours that you probably didn't <laughs> predict to be out there for in terms no. of overall duration. But we've got to understand this about ourselves because it, it's, it's not a textbook that you can pick up and say, you need to fuel after X minutes. Like it's just, it's relative to lots of factors, your base, you know, your metabolic profile, but so many um, circumstantial variables as well, like, you know, the hormonal side of things we've been discussing. Yeah, yeah. And that I, that's been a big thing that I've learned is how much that comes into play and you really need to acknowledge that as a big part of it. So um, that night after that five-hour one with the girls, I was so spent from just getting them across the line. My, what I ate that night and, you know, sort of my um, refueling was really different than, you know, what I would normally eat and even after the long runs that I've been doing. I had, you know, quite a few, quite a lot more carbohydrates and um, I really had to refuel. Yeah, awesome. Such an important lesson to learn and just yeah. the, in, the integration of the training that you do or the exercise that you do with what goes in your mouth is so, so important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, and that's that stress level. So I can be out hiking for an eight-hour hike carrying a pack and I don't need, don't require the resources that I needed for that day or mm. yeah, paddle boarding with the kids where it's all fun and exciting. Yeah, it's, um, you need to adjust to it. And I, I, I've always sort of been a creature of set in stone. This is what works. And for those of you who've had gut problems like I have, you do become quite ordered in what you eat because that's the thing that doesn't cause chronic diarrhoea and pain. And so, you know, when you've had those issues, it's, it takes a while when you get better to go, actually, I can have that and it's fine and that's what I need. And um, for you to move past, you know, you know, previously what was had to be quite regimented and strict with because of, um, you know, the health issues. Yeah, absolutely. So adjusting as your health improves. So you mm. and I have one more chat before race day. So I'm sure we'll just refine your fueling um, from some of your trials in training. But I just loved, yeah. you know, I've loved working with you um, or just having a small amount of input from your amazing base. But um, I really appreciate you sharing your journey because I'm sure there's lots of takeaways that our listeners can use to apply in their own world. And I look forward to hearing about how the race goes or how the event goes. Yeah. And, and thank you so much, Steph. It's been wonderful. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll, it'll be fantastic. It's just such, and it's a great cause and a lot of fun. I've, I've never been there. Apparently there's, it's busy and there's hype yes. and it's quite the event. So, and yeah. I'm already planning planning where I'm going to go for my post meal. <laughs> oh, well, if you want some tips, let me know because I've been the last number of years. I'm not going this year, sadly, but um, yeah, it is an incredible event and it's so beautiful that you can raise money for the Noah Garnet Foundation. So for those that want to learn more about Kirsty's beautiful foundation, um, we'll pop some information in the show notes as well. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks so much, Thanks. Steph. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.